You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. So great to see every one of you here this morning, nicely socially distanced. Wonderful to see your smiling faces again. We've been missing you. Folks are gradually trickling back in, and we certainly honor the convictions of those who feel like they need to be at home, those that are immunocompromised, the elderly, those that are the brand new ones, the newborn, the newborns in our congregation. We um, want to thank you for your logging in to be with us in our live service online and various platforms. I um, was very blessed this morning as I walked into my office and saw sitting on my desk a note from a couple in the community that, that do not attend Victory and just said, we wanted to send a note of appreciation for the online services that you and your church are providing. And they included a very, very generous check in there for our church. They're part of another church in the community. And man, isn't that a blessing when people, isn't that amazing? When, when folk have a kingdom vision and recognize that we're all on the same team, we're all attempting to... Uh, advance God's kingdom here in the Delta. And so I just want to, I want to thank that couple. I know they're watching this morning. Love you guys very much. And uh, anyone else, you know what? If you're not able to give, we do very much covet your prayers. Please, please pray for us. It obviously is a very different season that we're in. How many of you know God is still God? He's still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is Lord over COVID-19 and 20 and 21 and whatever comes later. Somebody say amen. I'm finishing the series we've been doing on the book of Acts called Sent. Today is number nine. I incorrectly spoke last Sunday. I misspoke and said that it was number seven. And, and oddly enough, the week before that was seven as well. So last week, last week should have been eight. So I apologize for any misnumbering that might appear on the logs or the podcasts or whatever. Um, we have two sevens, so that's my fault. Uh, but today is number nine. It is the conclusion of our Scent series. Uh, today, to, the title of the message this morning is called Your Destiny, God's Purpose. Say that for me, please, everybody. Your Destiny. You saw what I did there. That was just to give me a chance to get a little sip get the, the throat a little bit moist. The text that we've been using is out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It is the reiteration of the Great Commission that appears at the close of all four Gospels, and then it's the opening of the book of Acts, because Acts is basically the sequel. It's part two to all those Gospels. It is God's sending a people, starting with apostles, apostello, sent ones, but then immediately that becomes, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, 120 are praying in an upper room. They move out into the city and Peter preaches like a man possessed by God and 3,000 are born. Immediately there are 3,000 sent ones now, 3,012, uh, 3,120. Um, quickly, the scripture begins to say through the book of Acts, that there was great grace upon the church. There was great fear and great respect and awe upon the people that the word of God advanced quickly and people were added, souls were added to the church daily. 
as the Lord saw fit. And so the sent ones began to multiply. As we look today, just in reiteration of what we've been doing and saying through these eight previous messages, Acts chapter 1, find a screen if you would please and read out loud with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word and all of God's people said. One thing this morning, this is my uh, method. I actually stole it from uh, Andy Stanley. He wrote a, wrote a book called Communicating for Change. And that was the big idea in that book that I read years and years ago. And that is... Give the people a handle, something, one thing that they can take home. And so I've been utilizing that ever since I read that, probably a a decade or so ago. The one thing is, sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope. Everybody say, a heavenly hope. Sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. Find a screen, read it out loud with me, please. Here we go. Sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. Now that's probably about 50%. Really heartily, one last time, let's get it. Sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. We've got a hope that is in front of us. It is, like Hebrews 6 says, an anchor of the soul. An anchor in the storm is that which holds a ship in a stable place. Actually, in Hebrews 6, it's not just the idea of a piece of iron in the ocean dragging the bottom or in the a river, a stream, or whatever, dragging the bottom to provide stability, but it literally is the idea of a smaller boat pulling a larger boat into the harbor. And it's this this concept uh, of we are being pulled along, we are being drawn forward, and there is a hope that is an anchor in each and every one of us, a hope that God has set before us. And obviously, the, the ultimate one for every one of us is Romans 8, 29. Those he did foreknow... Before the foundation of the world, God foreknew you. Those he did foreknow, those them he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God is working on you and he's not quitting until he sees Jesus fully when he looks at you. That's, that's the message, that's the mission of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We, we've got power, there's a calling on us, we're called to be witnesses, we're called to love God and love people, to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to serve when the rest of the world is trying to step on everybody else's head and and climbing the ladder of success. We're called to uh, do the opposite and basically take the lower step and get up underneath people and serve them, love them, stoop down low and help carry the needs and the burdens of people. Somebody say amen. Sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. Let's pray this morning. Gracious God and Father, thank you for this opportunity to stand in this place. Thank you, Lord, that it is holy because your Holy Spirit is here. Thank you that we brought him in with us, that we're believers that are 
bought by the blood, purchased by the blood of your son. Father, we ask you right now that you would give us eyes to see and ears that hear, hearts to understand. We'll be careful before everyone to, to give you the glory and the praise because we know that apart from you, we are nothing and we can do nothing. But God, we also in this moment say with gratitude, thank you that we're not apart from you. But Christ is in us the hope of glory. We ask you today that you help us to live out of that identity and that remembrance of who you are and whose we are. We belong to you. We ask you today that you would take these words and plant them like seeds in the hearts and the lives and the soil of the soul of your people, that you would bless and prosper and bring increase to the kingdom of God. We'll be careful to give you praise and all of God's people said, amen. Everything, for as long as I can remember, and even historically, in America has been about the pursuit of happiness. It's been written into our founding document, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I just want to tell you that God's intention for you is not just to make you happy. God's intention for you is to make you in the image of his son. And I believe happiness is part of God's blessing. But when you single out happiness and it's the, the choice of chasing that thing down, then it is that inimitable, uh, unreachable goal that you never can find. When people are always just chasing down, trying to be happy, oh, I just want to do whatever makes you happy, and folk are always jumping from one thing to another because they're not happy. How many know what I'm talking about? And I want to tell you that the way you, where you find happiness is to find your purpose for which God made you. Happiness is wrapped up in fulfilling a calling that God has uniquely placed upon your life. There is a general calling that everybody in here is to walk in. That is that we're all to, to, to lean into him and to know him as our Savior and our Lord, our Messiah. We're to live and love. There are, there are things that are, are general commandments that are to, to the whole body of Christ. But then there are specific descriptions that, that apply to you because we're not all the same. We don't look the same. We don't have the same giftings. We were not born in, this, in, the, in the same family naturally. And with all of that mix, God has uniquely gifted every one of us with some natural abilities, with some desires that he's put, that he's put there. Scripture says in Psalm 34, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't believe that means that if you'll read your Bible two chapters a day every day that God will give you whatever you can concoct in your thinking. I believe that that means that when I set my heart and my affection on God and his word that he will place the right kind of desires in my heart for me to pursue. Are you following me this morning? So finding happiness as an American is not about chasing down the American dream. It's about recognizing the purpose for which God has called me moving forward in that calling and finding fulfillment for the heavenly hope that is drawing me forward, okay? You want to be happy? You want to pursue happiness? Find out your purpose. It was Mark Twain that said the two greatest days in a man's life are the day he's born and the day he finds out why. I would add the third day to that. I think that the, there's one more day. There's a day that you're born again and you really begin to understand the purpose for which you were born and for which you were made. Somebody say amen. So it's the day you're born and the day you find out why. 
And so today I want to remind you that you are called with a heavenly hope and that God has marked your life with and for his purpose. Um, I intentionally covered the whole third missionary journey of Paul last week so I could stop and actually take time do a little preaching, celebrate these last two chapters. They're amazing. I'd love to just take 27 and devote a whole service to it and take 28 and do the same thing, but we don't have that time. We've got things on the schedule that we're, we're moving toward and looking forward to. We're going to do two weeks in a series, just a real quick two-week series called Grace is Bigger Than Race. I'm going to deliver a message that I believe is critical to our understanding how we can make a difference in the delta with all the, the racism and all the, the stuff regarding the challenges today. There, there are two hashtags that you see predominantly in social media these days, Black Lives Matter and Make America Great Again. And, and they seem to be standing in contradistinction to each other. And I think a kingdom man or a kingdom woman does not lean either way into those Though I believe God wants America to be great, and I, I want you to know I believe black lives do matter. I don't want you to go away from here saying that, either, that I'm discounting either one of those, but a real kingdom person offers up a third alternative, and that is that they were in the middle, and we reach like a bridge. Come on, somebody, you hear me this morning. And so we're going to be delivering that in just a couple of weeks, and then the next week after that, I'm excited, we're going to have a panel up here. We're going to be hearing from Richard Reeves, who's the pastor of Downtown Church, longtime friend of mine, a multiracial congregation in Memphis. We're going to be hearing from Dr. Sharon Nesbitt, who's the pastor of Dominion World Outreach, another great friend. Um, we have a, a, a couple of Frederick Anthony's children. I don't remember their names right off the, off the top of my head at this point, but are very active in terms of ministry and community leaders. Another young man from, um, from Jonesboro who's part of Arkansas State on the staff there is Tony Thomas. And then lastly, I'm going to introduce you to a very special friend of mine who I've asked to come and be a part of this. That's Jana Alcorn. So that will basically be her introduction to the congregation. So lady that I've been seeing for the last year, and I'm, I'm excited for you guys to meet her. So you can go ahead and spread all the rumors. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you love the Lord? Acts chapter 27, point number one. Paul is on a boat in a storm. When you look at this passage of scripture, some of you are not going to believe it, I'm actually going to read from a real Bible today and not just an electronic device. Although I just want to tell you this leather doesn't make the word I'm reading any holier. Some folk think it does. Whatever, however you use it, just get in the word. Get the word in you. Somebody say amen. Acts 27, when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, look at your neighbor and say, Paul's headed for Rome. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius, embarking in a ship of Adramidum, uh, Adramidium, I'm sorry, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia. We put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus. This is a young person that Paul regularly refers to as his uh, prisoner companion in the Lord. Evidently, they've been in jail together a few places. A Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put out in, at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly, gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. Putting out to sea, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus. Let me skip a few verses. 
and it says that coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, what Paul is talking about is the Feast Day of Atonement, which is typically in the Jewish calendar around our ninth or our 10th month, from anywhere from the middle of September up to the middle of October. And the reason that it shifts is because the Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar, is lunar, okay? So it's 28-day months, and then it, it moves around. So he says, the fast is already over. Paul advised them, saying, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. So Paul is hearing from the Lord. He's got a check in his spirit. He, he doesn't feel comfortable making this journey, even though he himself has the one who has appealed to Caesar after having stood before two governors, uh, Felix and then Festus, and before making a decision, and then before King Agrippa as well, and every one of them, he appeals to Caesar because he's determined to get to Rome because he feels like that he has a word in him. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that will ultimately impact the Roman Empire. And man, was he right, okay? And so it says, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. How many of you feel like that sometimes? When you've got a conviction, you're trying to bring it to bear in a friend or a person's life or maybe even in your own family and folk want to pay attention to some other voices more than they do yours when you feel like you've got a clear unction of the Holy Spirit. No, I don't think we should do that. Oh, no, no, no. Everybody else says this is the way we should. I'm telling you, we shouldn't do this. And this is what Paul keeps telling them. And it says, but the centurion paid more attention to the owner of the ship and the pilot than he did to what Paul said. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. And as you open up and continue to read this passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 13 forward, we start to encounter a very significant storm at sea. And the, the, the waves are billowing up that are huge and they're coming over the side of the boat. Paul is basically doing everything he can to, to, to not say, I told you so. And it, it goes on to describe what they're encountering. It's called a Northeaster. I lived on the coast of North Carolina for about six years of my life in Bible school and we encountered hurricanes. We had several of them come up the coast. We battened down the hatches and put up plywood and everything and just made sure that everything was protected and safe. And, and, and they also experienced over there what they would call nor'easters. They would take the TH off of north and it was just this, this fitful, violent storm. Sometimes a nor'easter in winter would bring a, a complete blizzard of snow. And so they're dealing with a nor'easter. They're attempting to cross the Mediterranean Sea and it's the season when you don't venture out and do that because it's the stormy season and they realize that they need to try and find a place where they can winter over, a harbor where they can be able to stay and be able to be sustained for two, three months maybe. Now, Paul is on a boat in a storm. And this is what I want to say to you. There are a lot of wonderful details. If I had time, I would, I would really dive deeply and we would kind of take this verse by verse because there's so much great stuff there. And I believe it's a metaphor. A larger picture is being presented here for the church. And that is that there is a man on the boat 
and the boat is in a storm in the middle of the sea. People often perceive or they draw a conclusion when they see stormy circumstances in our lives and they want to immediately say, well, he must be out of the will of God. You know, anytime you encounter a storm, folk start to immediately say, well, there's something wrong there. Some bad decisions have been made. And folk, I just want to tell you that a storm doesn't mean anything other than you're just going through a storm. Are you hearing me? I want, I want you to know this, okay? There are three men in a boat in the Bible. When you look at the whole book of Jonah, Jonah is in a storm. He's in a boat in, a, in the middle of the sea in a storm because he is out of the will of God. And God is using a stormy wind to fulfill his word, Psalm 148, chasing down the prophet who is headed in the completely opposite direction of where God told him to go, a calling where God apprehended him and said, go to Nineveh and preach the word. And Jonah disobeyed. He got on a boat. He headed down the opposite direction. And the scripture says he went down to the harbor. He went down to the dock. He went down to the boat. And then he went down into the the very belly of the boat. How many of you know when you don't obey God, you're not going anywhere but down in your success, in your pursuits? Jonah was in a boat in a storm because he was out of the will of God. But when you open Acts chapter 27 and you read about this guy, Paul, Paul is in the will of God, even though he's in a boat, he's in a ship on the sea in the middle of a storm. Now, there's a third man in Scripture that I see who's in a boat in a storm, and his name is Jesus. And there was, there was one who was out of the will of God, Jonah. There was one who was in the will of God, Paul. But then there was one who was the will of God, Jesus. And when he stood up in the boat, he spoke three simple words, peace be still. And the winds and the waves had to obey him. And so this morning, I want to tell you, when you are in the middle of a storm, it's, it's very important that you don't immediately judge the circumstance as an indication of your being out of the will of God or being in the will of God, either one. Just make sure you've got the third man. His name is Jesus. Make sure you've got him in the boat with you. Casting Crowns wrote a song a number of years ago that I still enjoy, and that is sometimes he quiets the storm, sometimes he quiets the person, the heart of the individual in the middle of the storm. Sometimes God will give you peace when it's raging all around you. But the eye of the hurricane is said to be that place of calm and quietness, and, and sometimes God will just nestle us right in the very place of the eye of the storm that is blowing, blistering so all around us. That's where we need to find ourselves in the middle of God's perfect will. The ship that Paul is on is a picture, I believe it's a prophetic symbol of the world system. It is not the good old ship of Zion because the ship Paul is on is going to crash. It's going to crash and literally crumble into nothing but planks and boards. And folks, that's not the good old ship of Zion. The good old ship of Zion is going to sail completely and finish its course. Paul is on a ship, and it's a picture of the world system. There was a time in this storm that it got so bad. This, the scripture says the storm lasted for two weeks. At one point, Paul said, you guys haven't had a bite to eat in 14 days. You need to get something to eat because you're weak. Can you imagine a storm being in a boat and just being lashed by waves constantly from the front, the back, over the side? I mean, you know, there comes a point where you've had so much seasickness, there's nothing else left to 
I don't, sorry. But you know what I'm talking about. You get past that point and you go, okay, no, I'm not going to eat. I don't know how much longer this storm is going to last. And they started throwing stuff overboard. They started throwing the cargo overboard. They cut all the gear of the ship and let it go. Because in the middle of that period when the storm was the darkest, the scripture says that an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul. And Paul went up to the captain and to the pilot of the ship and he said, as surely as I stand here today, an angel of God spoke to me last night and said, no life will be lost, but we all must stay on the ship. And so they started throwing the cargo over. At one point, there was an idea of killing the prisoners. There was some mutinous thoughts that are moving around. And, And the captain stopped all of them because he had a respect for Paul. He knew that this was a man that had a call on his life. He knew that Paul was significant and that he was supposed to get him to Italy, to Rome. And so he stopped all of these rumors of killing prisoners, and especially Paul. He said, no, we're going to keep everybody alive. We're all going to stay on the ship. There came a point where they actually cut away the lifeboats. I think that's a powerful analogy to folk having to re-examine their belief about an any-minute rapture these days, a pre-tribulation one anyway. You know, because look at the stuff we're going through right now. There are folk a long time ago, 40 years ago, said we wouldn't even be here. So many books were written that in the 80s that the church would be raptured. In the 90s, so many dates have been set over and over. We we wouldn't last through 2000. It would be gone. I remember Jack Van Impey was on television. He would say in 2000, the church will be raptured. Well, folks, it's 2020. Are y'all still here? Pinch yourself. Say, I'm still here. You know what? God has a purpose for us. Now, I believe in the coming of the Lord. I long for his coming. I believe that when he comes that all flesh shall see him and his glory shall be revealed over the whole earth. Come on, somebody, put your hands together. But this idea of an escapist mentality that I I don't have to worry about it because I've always got an out because Jesus will come yank me out of here before it gets too bad, that won't preach around most of the nations of the world because they've already endured a level of tribulation that's indescribable, that's outrageous under tyrants and communist regimes and folk who kill millions of their people enduring famines and plagues and pestilence and all kinds of stuff and and persecution. There are Christians this morning who who are faithfully declaring the name of Jesus even though before the day's over they might lose their head. Now folks, you want to talk about tribulation? America doesn't understand what tribulation is. America doesn't understand. I'm going to beat us up because we've been blessed. We've been blessed because of the gospel. But we're in a nation right now, folk, where we're embracing this concept of a secular nation and a pluralistic society. And there are powers that are conspiring together to drive every bit of influence of God and the word of God and the Bible and any kind of solid morality out of our nation and our government. And I'm telling you, we are going to, we're going to sow the wind and we're going to reap the whirlwind. Are you hearing me? And guess what? Folk, just because you don't get snatched out, let me just remind you, the Lord didn't rapture the three Hebrew children out of the burning fiery furnace. They just had a fourth man come join them, walking around in the fire with them. I I, I don't know what all is going to happen, but I'm going to tell you that in the middle of all of this, God's going to demonstrate and show a purpose-filled people called the church, folks that have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, folk who've been filled with the Holy Spirit and have power to demonstrate and to, to influence the nations for the kingdom of God. 
whatever happens, be it by fire or whatever, if it is, God will give us some divine asbestos suits where we'll walk around and folk are going, I don't, I don't know what they got, but I got to get me some of that. Come on, somebody. In the middle of the storm, you can have a word from the Lord just like Paul had. I feel I just had a check in my spirit. I want to go back and remind everybody. I said I fully believe in that the Lord is coming back. I believe that. I long for it. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But every second that he does not, folks, we have a job to do. We are to occupy until he comes. We are not to be preoccupied with when he comes. We are to be occupying until he comes. Somebody help me a minute and just say amen, would you? I'm preaching way better than you're acting this morning. The amazing thing is that there is a man on board who has a word from the Lord. Man, that ought to be a country song right there. A man on board has a word from the Lord. <laughs> Paul has seen an angel, and the angel has given him a message, and the message is, I'm going to bring everybody to safety, and you're going to live through this storm. You're going to live to tell about it. Remember that sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. The storm got so bad that they, they were trying to drive this thing into the edge of an island. And when they did, they actually hit the reef underneath and the ship began to break all to pieces. And the pilot, the captain basically said, every man for himself. Somebody said, kill the prisoners. He said, no, every man for himself. If you make it, then God intended you to make it. And so folks start grabbing pieces of plank of the ship and they're floating and they're landing on the island. And this is my second point this morning, Acts chapter 28. What a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. Paul is on an island after a shipwreck. How many of you know when you've been through something and you've got the testimony you live to tell about it, you, you, you've got a story that, that somebody needs to hear. What's that old hymn says? We've a story to tell to the nations. How many of you know because God has delivered us and he's brought us to safety but through the storms of life, we've got a story that somebody needs to hear. Somebody say amen. Paul hits an island in Acts chapter 28. It says, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. Find that on a map. In the Mediterranean Sea, the native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper, everybody say a viper. There's always a devil in the woodpile, I'm telling you. A, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, listen, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. It says, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. See, how many of you know when you have something bad happen to you, folk immediately go, yeah, I'm telling you, God, God's going to get him. Look, look what's happening. He must be a murderer. This is so typical of the fickleness of the people that God has called us and sent us to love and to live and to lay down our lives and to serve. And look what it says. It says, though he had escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, this is just 
This is just people. One minute you're a murderer, the next minute you're a God, little g. How many of you, if you ever led people, you know exactly what Paul is dealing with here. You can't do anything right. Oh my gosh, he's a God. He does everything right. It's that, it's that Gollum syndrome. If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, that little nasty little cave-dwelling creature who has, has the, my precious, and he, he says, one second, pastor loves us. No, pastor hates us. <laughs> if you saw the movie, it's master. Master loves us. You saw what I did with that? And that that's funny, huh? <laughs> Laugh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's that Gollum syndrome where we're back and forth between two opinions, we're halting between two. That's what Elijah basically said to the prophets of Baal. How long are you going to dance on these two opposing branches back and forth? Oh, he must be a murderer because he got snake bit. Oh, no, wait a minute. He's a god because he didn't die. And the people many times in the delta to which we are sent will have those outrageous opinions in terms of the spectrum of what they think of us. I'm going to tell you right now, in the, the larger mainstream media, Christianity is taking a beating. But I'm going to tell you something. Christianity is like a Timex watch. You remember years ago when you saw that, they put it on the front of the speedboat and said, it takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. Well, folk, I'm telling you, God has a call and a mission he has a purpose for your life, and the happiness that you're looking for is only found when you pursue what that purpose is, and you follow that destiny. Your destiny is tied up in the purpose of God. Somebody say amen. The point is, is that God will use those things. God will use those things that you go through sometimes to minister to other people. I, I, I have had folk reach out to me through social media. They've, they've texted me. They've given me calls. They've seen me in the community, and they've said, you know what? I didn't think you would keep going when you lost your wife, especially under the horrific circumstances that you did. He said, but I saw how God carried you in the middle of your grief. I saw your determination to set your hope on God and be drawn forward by a heavenly hope. And continue to walk in the calling to which you were called. I'm just putting in my own words the things that they said. They said this to me. These were the words that were said. And it's been said over and over by different people. When I saw that you could make it through your circumstance, God gave me hope that I could make it through mine. I remember when it first happened, there were rumors, just crazy stuff flying. You know, I, I, I wouldn't even give it time to defend because I know the love that was in our home. I know the relationship, the honor and the love and the respect that we had. And I also know the battle, the horrific battle that my sweet, lovely Dawn faced. And I'm thankful this morning that she's clear thinking and she's in the presence of her Savior who loves her. Somebody say amen. The whole point is that God uses the things, the unfortunate circumstances. I don't believe God ordains all of those things, but I believe he knows how to work together for our good. All of these things, because we are called according to his purpose and because we love him. If you love him this morning, say amen. I believe that we need to be who we are, wherever we are. Be honest, be real. Don't shellac it. Don't varnish it. Don't try to put on religious overtones or a bunch of 
Christianese, but just be who you are. When you're hurting, you know, I don't believe you need to tell everybody. There's a, there's a difference in being transparent and being vulnerable. And I believe that the world is looking for a people that, that, that are willing to say, look, I'm weak, but when I'm weak, he is strong. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Be who you are, wherever you are. The scripture goes on to say that there was a leader on the island by the name of Publius, and his father was sick with fever and a dysentery. Now, that's, they've cleaned it up. The King James says he had the bloody flux. Be careful how you say that, F-L-U-X. And it basically means diarrhea is so bad that you're bleeding in the process. Now, forgive me if that's too, TMI, too much information. But that literally is the, the dad was just dying. And Paul goes and lays hands on him, and immediately healing comes. God will utilize. God will answer your prayers when unbelievers in, are involved. You may be standing in Kroger and somebody needs a word of encouragement. You may be at Walmart. You may be at your job looking across the top of a cubicle wall. It may be in your neighborhood. It might be someone that you know is hurting. But make sure that you're an instrument of his peace, that you speak words that encourage, that you speak something that puts a hope in front of folk that draws them into their purpose, that draws them toward the fulfillment of what God has on their lives. You have that ability. You are called because you have the gospel. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are bought by the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Finally, and I'm finished this morning, Paul finally makes it to Rome. Why? Because sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. He visits, he finds a group of Jews, he explains what he's been through. He says, they respond and say, look, we've not gotten any letters you know, you said they, they knew you were coming, but they've not sent anything forward. We've not heard anything bad. Tell us what it is that you believe. And so Paul sits down with a number of Jewish people in Rome, and he opens the word of God from the law, the Psalms, and the prophets, and he begins to preach Jesus Christ through that whole old covenant. And the scripture says some of them believed and some of them didn't. Remember last week, when you carry the gospel, there'll be some who receive it and there'll be some who reject it. God's not called you to determine that. You are not the Holy Ghost. Look at your neighbor and say, I am not the Holy Spirit. It's his job to convict. It's his job to draw. It's his job to, to bring people in a place of alignment. It's just your job to carry the message. It's your job to utilize your most powerful tool that nobody else has. Yours is unique because it's your story. It is your testimony. It is the hope that has been birthed on the inside of you because God's faithfulness brought you out and brought you through. Hallelujah. Paul says in Acts chapter 28, he says, but because the Jews objected in his case, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. He loves his people. He said, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. King James says, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. I couldn't help but get up and carry on because I'm captivated by a hope that won't let me go. I couldn't help but get up and take a step forward when it was all I could do to just say, God, you've got to hold me together because I'm falling apart. 
I feel like the, the boat that Paul was on, all the planks have busted apart. My life, my emotions, yet there was a hope that was on the inside of me, and it was the hope of the delta. It was the hope of the kingdom of God. It was the hope of a time when the presence of God would so be revealed over Crittenden County and the tri-state area and Tennessee and Arkansas and Mississippi and believing God for a new revival in this nation that we would bow our hearts and our knees to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. One more time. I believe the word when it says that the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I'm longing for that. Every generation has seen some, some demonstration of the, the power of God. And I'm, I'm waiting for mine. I'm waiting for mine. There's a hope in me that I will see multitudes of people swept into the kingdom of God. The day that... Two services won't cover it. The day that we'll be having five services around here and probably be in a new facility out one of the sides of this thing at that point. I believe that. I believe that. Pastor, I don't know. That's okay. Just hang around me. You'll let some of my faith will rub off on you because I've got a hope that has bound me. It's not about Michael Smith making a name. Let me tell you something. If I was going to try to do that, I wouldn't have sat down in the armpit of Arkansas. It's not about a name. It's not about making a bunch of money. I, I'm just an ordinary person just like you are. Is it because I have a hope? There's a hope, a heavenly hope that is drawing me forward. And this morning you want to have, you want to be happy, you want to pursue happiness, pursue the hope of God for your life. That's where your happiness is. That's where, that's where you find a sense of fulfillment. Paul always was obedient to take the gospel to the Jew first. Scripture says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I believe there's an application for that today. I believe to the Jew first today in the 21st century means that God visits the last group that he poured out his Holy Spirit on when he gets ready to do a new thing and he says, I have something fresh. Do you want this? No. Well, guess what? He goes and opens up a whole new group of people, the Gentiles, that are ready to hear the word. God always carries. When you study revival history, he always goes and visits the last group he just met. Sometimes they've crystallized their beliefs so hard that they've driven their tent stakes down like those that were in the trek, the 40-year trek through the wilderness. They liked this spot. There were palms. There was a stream. It's in the middle of the desert. We like this. We're not going to move. We're going to stay right here where we are. Cloud of God can move on, but we're happy right here. And guess what? When the cloud of glory moves, your sustenance moved with it. The glory of God just moved on beyond a group of people that were once on fire, once alive with the presence of God. What makes this experience here is not lights, it's not good musicians, it's not new songs, but it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place. That's what we need. We have to be who we are. The scripture says, and I close, I love this. He says, therefore, let it be known that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. This is when Paul made the complete shift. 
It says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Eusebius, the church historian, tells us that Paul was released from Rome. He went on another preaching tour, and when he came back to Rome again, that's when he gave his life in martyrdom. It's from that location that he wrote 2 Timothy when he says, I have fought a good fight. I have run my race. There is a heavenly prize that is set before me, a crown of life. And Paul says, I have finished. I have completed. Nothing will make you happier, saints, than for you to be able to come down to the end of your life and go that you did everything God called you to do. Do it with no regrets. Some of you facing the, the graduation of a loved one, you know what? Spend time with them even though they're senile or they're not making any sense. Love them, pray with them, encourage them because guess what? When they're gone, then you don't have any regrets. I believe with all of my heart that our happiness, our destiny is all tied up together. When we, when we walk in the calling God has for us, then we really know true kingdom happiness, and that is the joy of the Lord. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord praise. <laughs> Sent ones are drawn forward by a heavenly hope that is fulfilled in following their callings. God has marked your life with and for his purpose. Would you bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to bring this word of how you walk with us and get on the boat with us in the middle of a storm. Lord, when everything seems to be falling apart, thank you that you are able to hold our hearts and our lives and our hope together. Something draws us forward into your purpose. I just ask right now, Lord, those that are under the sound of my voice in this room, those that are listening today as it's live and those even in the future. Thank you, Lord, that you know us beyond and outside of time and you know us geographically right where we are. Those that are driving down the highway listening to this on a podcast or those that are watching it right now in their living room. Thank you that you care about us and you reach to us and you love us with an everlasting love. God, we look to you and we just ask you to do the words of that song today that we sang. Lord, let our lives be built on the foundation of your love. Lord, because that's the only thing that will keep us from being shaken. Storms all around us, difficult times. Lord, thank you that you walk with us. And I just pray right now, Lord, for any person in this room that has never crossed the line of faith and ask you to be Lord of their lives. If that's you and you would just say, Pastor, please pray for me, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Yes, I see one on the back row back there. Anyone else this morning? Yes, another one on this side. Yes, another hand, I see that one. All right, you put your hands down. Now, those of you that just feel like you need some encouragement, need a fresh start, you need, you need a fresh picture, a fresh revelation of the hope that God has for you so that you can begin to pick up some steam and some speed and pursue it and walk toward it. If that's you, just as pastor, I need some encouragement. Slip your hand up. I want to pray for you too. Yes, several around the room. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that you carry us. Lord, that you're our shelter in a time of storm. You're, you're a rock and a shadow uh, Lord, in a weary land, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would be our shield and our buckler, our sword and our strength. 
Help us to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. I just thank you right now, Lord, for everyone who raised their hands. We ask you, Father, to move in their lives in Jesus' name. And together as a congregation, we lift up. Everybody, if you've raised your hand, pray this. Congregation, let's pray with them. Say this after me. Father, thank you for this word. I receive it like seed in my soul. Let it produce a crop of happiness and harvest and purpose. I turn my life to you. I turn from my past. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart. Jesus, I trust you. Save me. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be Lord of my life, I pray. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning. Amen.